0: is politics, where we bring the scripture to life and leadership today. Happy Friday to you, and welcome to the first podcast in a series that's going to be devoted to going through the book of Exodus together. Why the book of Exodus? Well, 2020 was a tough year for many people and exodus is a a great old testament biblical example of leaving one thing behind and going on to something new uh, particularly where the future is uncertain this week we looked at chapter one and the first part of chapter two and both of these sections kind of put together tell the beginning of the story They give us the setting and more than that, they give us the the motivation of the Hebrew people and the Egyptians and where this conflict between them originated. Now, to really understand this, you have to get into a little bit of history. Not everybody likes history, but history is a study of cause and effect and that's where the saying, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it sort of comes from. If we don't know what causes certain things to happen, then we're going to kind of blindly charge into the future, not realizing there are uh, factors in our own life today that are often limiting the choices that we have tomorrow. So looking at the beginning of this story, this is not just a random event that happened. Two groups of people uh, started fighting amongst one another, one group oppressing another. This didn't come out of nowhere. It had a source. And Exodus chapter 1 in particular really helps us understand uh, a bit of where that came from. Now the first reading that we had was actually from the book of Genesis. It was the very last passage and it told about the death of Joseph. And that's an important piece to have in this because that explains how the Hebrew people got to Egypt in the first place. If you go back uh, to the end chapters of the book of Genesis, you have the story of Joseph who was sold into slavery uh, to Egypt by his jealous brothers. And he ended up prospering there after uh, many many difficult uh, challenging years and uh, the end of that story is his brothers come to Egypt begging for food in the midst of a famine and Joseph is able to take care of them. Instead of sending them back to fend for themselves he invites them to come and live with him in Egypt, where he's acquired a lot of land, a lot of wealth, and a lot of political power. Now, in between uh, the book of Genesis and the book of Exodus, Egypt is taken over by another culture uh, for a short time period. And when the original Egyptians are able to win back power, they become very scared of other cultures coming in and doing that again. And that's where they start to look at Joseph and his family, the Hebrew people who are prospering, who are growing. And there's a new ruler who doesn't know Joseph. At the end of Genesis, Joseph has passed away. And so it becomes just nameless people that are running around that are not from the Egyptian culture. And uh, they grow more numerous than the Egyptians and the Egyptians get scared. And that's where... the the new king of Egypt, out of fear, starts to make some very drastic, uh, very oppressive decisions about how he's going to treat the Hebrew people in effort to try to keep their numbers down and their their physical, military, political strength um, down so that the Egyptians can maintain their rule in their own country. Now, from the very beginning, there are two issues that arise in this conflict between the two cultures. One is that the Hebrew people were asked by uh, Joseph on his deathbed to take his bones back to what we will now call the Promised Land, Israel. And uh, and he fully expected God uh, to take them back there at some point it was issued as a command to them, as a sort of dying patriarch's wish. But in the generations that follow, as they prosper there in Egypt, uh, there's no indication that they have any thought or plan to go back to the promised land anytime soon. They are doing just fine, just where they are and they're enjoying that blessing and that uh, plentiful life that they have there in Egypt. The second issue that they have is really between both of them and that comes out when it says that a new king uh, came to rule Egypt who didn't know Joseph and that's where the Egyptians, the leaders in particular, uh, but the people no longer knew the Hebrew people But it worked the other way around as well. The Hebrew people didn't know those Egyptian leaders or those Egyptian people. They had sort of segregated themselves and uh, were just each group kind of doing their own thing. And the fear that began to arise in the Egyptians if you look back at the text, is not that the Hebrew people will suddenly rise up and take over, it's that a foreign power would come and attack and the Hebrew people having no loyalty to the Egyptians might side with that foreign power and end up aiding them uh, in a hostile takeover. So that brings us to a place where you've got two groups of people who are prospering, and who are starting to ask the what-if questions. And the ones in power, uh, instead of seeking to make relationships with the Hebrew people, decide to try to oppress them, to keep them down so that they're less of a threat. And the Hebrew people, vice versa, are unwilling or unable to make those relationships with the Egyptians to build that loyalty there. Um, and in in the back of their uh, their minds, their family history, they have this mission um, from their patriarch and a promise from God that they're not going to be there long term. Their civilization is made to be in another place. So they're they're just there temporarily. The rest of chapter one, We'd make a great case study for the effects of sin in the way it sort of has a growing snowball avalanche effect. You start in one place with something small and it grows to something greater and it grows to something greater and then pretty soon it's out of hand. People don't wake up one day and decide to commit genocide, Uh, but over time with the, the power of fear Uh, encouraging and pushing and influencing people in their decisions if there's nothing that is redirecting that. um, It can lead people to disastrous choices and um, destructive lives. That's the story of the king of Egypt and his son uh, will follow in his footsteps as we'll see in chapters up ahead. The Hebrew people on the other hand prove themselves to be resilient uh, against the oppression, against the hard labor and the taskmasters that are put over them, um, against putting put and building these sort of supply cities uh, to help uh, the Egyptian people out. All the control that's put on their culture uh, just seems to make them hardier and stronger and they continue to multiply. I think One of the questions that I have in reading that, and I have to bear in mind, this is a very brief introduction, um, but in the midst of this hardship and this suffering, they're not crying out to their God. In fact, God is barely mentioned other than as a sort of outside uh, one who is the source of this blessing and encourager uh, of them being able to bear more children and have more people. Perhaps why I find that odd is because this is not one of those biblical books where God is barely mentioned and he stays in the background. This is one of the books of the Bible where God plays a very direct role. You you hear him speak in many places uh, out loud as himself. Um, he, He has a important role in this story. And so it makes me wonder if he's absent from the very first chapter here, um, at least in the foreground, because these people have not been connected to him. They found a place in Egypt uh, to live, to be comfortable, to be fruitful, to multiply, and to grow strong. Um, But he was their patriarch's God. He was Joseph's God and Isaac's God and Abraham's God. And they're no longer in the promised land anymore. Uh, they have found a new place to live. and Maybe they found new ways to live as well without their God. That's a lot of speculation. But I think one thing this chapter shows is even if the people had forgotten their God, he had not forgotten them. This whole conflict between the Egyptians and the Hebrew people, uh, as I pointed out, there was a powerful root in the fact that they did not have relationships with one another. They did not know one another. And I think it's it's so important that when you go to chapter two and we have the birth of Moses, the birth of the one who's gonna save these people and deliver them from slavery and bondage and, and eventually take them Uh, to the promised land. Um, Moses, being that one, has relationships with both the Egyptians and the Hebrew people. In fact, he has this sort of uh, unlikely situation where he's born of the Hebrew people and uh, nursed by his own mother, even though uh, all the male children are supposed to be put to death at that point. And yet, after he's uh, old enough uh, to be taken away from his mother, he's then taken to the palace and raised there uh, under the king of Egypt uh, himself, the one who was so fearful about these people. And so Moses has relationships with everybody. And I think that's the, the conclusion that, that I come up with uh, from chapter one in, in the birth of Moses in the first part of chapter two. In the midst of this conflict between cultures, and you and I know that we're we're living that out every day uh, here in the United States, all over the world, as cultures continue to mix together and those rough edges rub up against one another, there's conflict and that conflict tends to get worse and worse over time, unless you can create relationships between the different groups. You won't find true peace until you get to learn the names and the faces and the stories of the people who stand opposite you. My prayer for all of us today is that we would be able to love others the way Jesus loved us. And then so, uh, not only fulfill his command, but find that way to peace that is not done through laws, um, but it's done through relationships. And in those relationships that are sometimes the most difficult for us to foster, I pray that God would help us to do that, that we can't do on our own.